Welcome everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It's your girl LA, your Six Figure Social Worker. On this seventh episode, I am excited. You guys, I am going to allow you to listen in on a group discussion that I am having with a few social workers. And we will be talking about the challenges that they face, the desires, and the accomplishments that they have already made, as well as future um, goals in the field of social work. So stay tuned. All right, you guys. So welcome to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. I'm your girl, L.A., your Six Figure Social Worker. I am here with a group of dynamic black social workers, and it is amazing. I have two male social workers in the room and three women, and we are just going to share. They're going to share their struggles. They're going to share the challenges, the successes so far in the field of social work, and we're just going to go ahead and get started. So, Let's talk about how many of you, you guys just graduated, how long? Yeah, just graduated in May and been in the field that I wanted to go through, which is child welfare. Okay. All right. All right. How's it going for you? It's challenging. Okay. Because I'm dealing with um, some family issues that I didn't know that I had Mm. and dealing with like um, secondhand PTSD. So, like, one of the cases that I have, one of my clients, he's hoarding food. Like, he's a six-year-old. And I forgot about when I was a child. And I used to hoard food, you know, because, like, basically my aunt was starving me. Um, and when I would hoard the food, I would end up telling on myself. And she would tell me, that's not your food to hide. So, I have to check myself and get therapy and deal with that. Because I forgot that that was something that I even went, went through until I had a case that this client was doing that so just being self-aware and like dealing with can i cuss <laughs> <laughs> no, no um, <laughs> dealing with Lord. your stuff mm-hmm. having self-awareness um, and not being judgmental. Yes, yes. That is that's good, right? That is good because we get into this field thinking, I just want to help people. I want to help people, right? But then we realize, wait, hold on. I need help. I'm a people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need help as well, right? <laughs> you know, so that's good. That's Yeah, that's good. And so you decided, you recognize that you need to get help and go process through your yes. own... That's because good. I thought that I was healed from that. Like, I thought, you know, it was taken care of. But then when it was presented to me, I realized I didn't take care of it. I just pushed it to the side. Wow. Um, and amazing. I think that I needed to deal with it before, like, my caseload gets too heavy. Mm-hmm. And then I just don't know how to manage my time or okay. manage my emotions. Like oh, that. that's good. That's good, right? That's good. Okay, all right. And we're gonna we're gonna go dive deeper into that. That's good. But have you guys had any of those challenges, like earlier on in the um, career, where you realize, like, wait, hold on, having more so the idea of having to check yourself because of seeing yourself across the table. Mm. And so, um, for me, I'm doing drug and alcohol treatment, but some of my clients are my age, and they find this like inspiration in like, oh my God, we're the same age you're doing and this is what I'm doing but some of their behaviors are like there's no one 
there right now the way that somebody was for me. So the piece of advice that somebody gave me when I was like in that moment is literally the turning point that stopped me from being right now. Yeah. And so like it's empowering, but it's also frightening sometimes to see where life lands you okay. sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and then also being kind of like a pillar of inspiration for those who also are far surpassed you in life. So I have clients who are like maybe twice my age and literally look and say things like, you know, I want to be like you when I grow up. And it's like, will you grow up? <laughs> huh? right. um, so it's like a constant like checking and understanding of like uh, humility and being in a role where like sometimes explaining to them that like yeah people need help but I'm people so like it's, it's me me I right. need help right. so right. I'm not perfect sitting in this seat um, and although we have things to learn being in a position where like the world says I'm too young and I'm too this and I'm too that and so what I have to say doesn't matter but being in a role where I've been empowered to say like not only does it matter but no matter like what age we are what our backgrounds are whatever it is there literally could have been one split decision that separates where you are and where I'm sitting so, right. um, having that is it's humbling but it's also very empowering to yeah. do it and also doing it at my age um, I just think it, the experience itself is great but yeah. I do. I see some of like traits in myself, and it's like, wow, if you would have just had one person that right. would have like caught that when you first started that behavior, where you could have been, um, and then also to be the person in the position to catch that behavior now and change where you are. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Crazy. That's good. That's good. Okay. So you're saying, have I ever had an experience like this? Mm. Definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she said plenty. <laughs> I've been in the field for a long. Well, yeah me a long time so like seven years so I've seen a lot heard a lot done a lot um my honesty is I'm kind of burnt out social worky-ish so I um I do private practice on the side and in my private practice is where I sit and see me it's like okay girl I'm struggling with that too <laughs> 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 oh yeah and then I'm like saying stuff but then I get done and I'm like how can I tell this person to do all of this stuff and all of this work, but I can't tell it, like, Andrea, like, come on. Like, it makes no sense to me. But I did, um, like, a month ago, I did an assessment at my real job. Um, <laughs> and it was crazy because it was an older black, older African-American lady who was struggling with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about her childhood and one of her abusive situations she had was identical to one that I experienced. Mm. Like, when I say I, I was sitting there in shock, like, I cannot, because to me it was so, so extreme, I couldn't imagine somebody else would have gone through it. So when I sat and I heard her, like, it was like fighting tears back because I'm like, this could be me mm. if I don't get myself together. Like, you're 60 and you're really an alcohol like because you have not dealt with that stuff yeah. so I was like is this like a vision like uh, don't <laughs> be okay like I didn't know what to do but I know I transferred her because I did not want to do I couldn't you I transferred couldn't, the case? I transferred okay. her to another person because I knew I could not serve her with her having a lot of the same history wow it was, it was okay too, it was absolutely yes that's amazing that's maturity as well 
you know, the fact that you recognize, wait, I won't be able to do it. She's going to be hurt and I'm going to be hurt. You know what I'm saying? So that, yes. Wow. Oh, (laughs) 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 Oh my God. Crying and drinking. drinking. She's like, we got the same coping skills. Oh my goodness, you got. Oh my goodness. All right. Oh. You don't know I got. Right. 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 Oh, I've been in this field now almost. It'll be a decade next year. Wow. I'm old. Like I've been, I haven't used my therapy, my license in the, in the last two years I have, but in general I've been in the field for like 10 years now. Okay. Um, and I always see young males that look just like me across the table um, who grew up in a single parent household with no father. Um, so it's kind of like I always see me, unfortunately. Um, especially in the, uh, and then also being a male in a female dominated field is, itself is, is the challenge. Yourself, you don't have anybody to relate to. Um, they don't. Un- it's, I can talk to you. It's, I can have a conversation with you. You can give me tips, but I don't have anybody to relate to. I can't just sit down and be like, "Oh, what, you went through this. Oh, it's a man. I went through that." Um, especially in the field. Right. Um, but in my life, I, I've always been around women. I've been raised with my grandmother. I've been raised with my mother. Um, so it's like I, I, I know the women's perspective sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not great, but I know some of it. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's, it's a challenge being. Uh, the only black male in my last agency, um, the only male black male therapist. It's like, it's like, ooh, let's put you up front because right. you're the only black yes. male therapist. Yes. So, um, and then now it's like, as I get into the field even deeper, it's like, ooh, you're a black male therapist. I want you. Um, but you don't understand the concept of like being pulled in 40 different directions because you're the only black male therapist. Right. Um, and so that's a challenge. And it is having your self care as well. Yeah. Being able to balance that. Um, and then having a family. Yeah. Like just balancing all those different aspects of your life. Um, but yeah, um, being in the field for a decade, I'm not burned out yet, mm-hmm. but I hear the story and I'm like, it's another one. Um, right. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I do that. Like it's another one. I heard this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always use other stories. Like, oh, 10 years ago or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like not really. I've just been in the field <laughs> since after college. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that would be my own. Now, you have, um, what's your degree? Uh, like I have a, 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 a bachelor's. Okay. I'm working on my master's. I'll start school on Tuesday. Awesome. 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 So, um, Carter is a male. So, would you like to chime in on that? You're, I mean, he is a male, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, hopefully. As he take off all his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So being a male in this field, (laughs) you know, and and, and then also, uh, Dr. Smith had just called me the the black unicorn because I'm I'm right. My office is across the street from Scott High School, right? So when I went over there to introduce myself, he was like, "Okay." We have all these black males up in this school, and we got a black male therapist right across the street. Oh man, we gotta use this. You know, we gotta use this. Uh, but I've been working in the field, started in substance abuse 24 years ago. Mental health has been 20 years. This actually was my 20th year. You know, so the challenge of 
being the only one many times, <laughs> uh, but then also how you work that to your advantage, mm -hmm. right? So like even now I get calls from people that they're looking for a black male therapist. Mm -hmm. And then I got that added niche as far as being a Christian therapist, you know? So people look for that in particular. I, well, I want black, I want male, <laughs> I want Christian. And I'm like, okay. Chit, chit, chit. <laughs> That's it, you know. So uh, even as uh, Lashana is talking to y'all about uh, growing in this field, the opportunities are there. I mean, for real. Uh, because again, y'all know I'm an author as well. So, <clears throat> so when you out here and you seeing the things that we see, it's like okay, I can see where I can use this skill that I have and the knowledge that I have to help this population. But I also can see how I can use it over here. And work with this population as well you know so private practice is great i mean that's why i'm in private practice but the public sector is where i cut my teeth at you know and the whole thing about the burnout was people always ask me that question so i was always being asked that well how do you keep yourself from burning out so i always had to keep asking myself the same question well how do i keep myself from burning out Right, and one of it is, you know, I learned years ago, you know, learn how to laugh at myself. Right, I think oh, I'm the friend. funniest. I'm Me the, too. Well, well, there you go. That's how you keep yourself. That's how you insulate you know, yourself. Yeah, I know you're funny. I, 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 I follow you on Facebook. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. She have me rolling. I've set up here. That's my girl. <laughs> but you know. Uh, like Lashana was saying, this class, because even with me uh, uh, interjecting myself into y'all lives, it was because this class was different. I mean, I had been coming to her class as a guest speaker for like four years or so, but this class was different, you know, so I'm glad I had an opportunity to meet y'all because I know that there's so much for us to do. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a lot of work to be done. I mean, mm -hmm. the harvest is huge and the laborers are few, so... Absolutely, absolutely. And so one of the things I want you guys to make sure you do not do, and this will help you with burnout, don't allow yourself to be stuck. You know, don't allow yourself to be stuck in that one place, mm -hmm. right? That one um, agency and um, not in, and die or allow your giftings and all your other talents to just die. You know, I know Kay is doing spoken word and she's out there, you know, and when we're talking about social work, I mean, we're talking about words, right? The power in the words that we speak. And so she's able to use that in that aspect to bring life to people and also bring understanding, especially in the black community, that counseling works counseling works because each of you talked about something so unique because here it is when you're talking about a person who's 60 and you're talking about someone who's saying they want to be like you when they grow up we're looking at chronological age but people are still 16 at 61 you know what I'm saying because they didn't deal with those issues and so we want to make sure as social workers as professionals that as we're teaching others we don't stop teaching ourselves or allowing ourselves to be taught because we will go through and face many more challenges, right? I mean, even outside of what we already experienced as, an, you know, as a child. And so um, I'm glad that you were so transparent with like, man, hold on. I had to deal with this. 
you know, because can you imagine, we're talking about that, especially that vicarious um, trauma, you know, when you look and see like, wait, hold on, why am I emotional here? But I'm going to tell you one of the things that helped me, because I promise you I'm not burned out. I'm telling you, I got, like, content for this. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's like, I'm. oh, my goodness. I'm serious. It's like I wake up with people on my mind. Like, okay, how can I? Somebody is hurting right now. It's like I can feel people's pain, you know? Okay, so I wanted to pause right there just to come in to make sure you did not miss that one tip. Tip number one, leave work at work. You want to allow your home to be your sanctuary, to be your place of peace, your place of rejuvenation. So tip number one, leave work at work. All right. Okay. So hopefully you're enjoying this session. Stay tuned and continue to listen. So I don't take it home with me, right? So when I was working in the field earlier on, I was working with a teenager and his mom had put him out, you know, he was, he was struggling. He didn't know where he was going to go. And I remember like, oh my goodness, I got to take this young man somewhere. You know, he don't really want to be there. It's not safe. And I was like emotional and I called my supervisor. So this is the reason why we got to have mentors and peers in this, you know, this field, because I called my supervisor and she said one thing that stuck with me for all these years. She said, you got to remember, you're not the savior. And when she said that, I was able to give it over to God. Like, God, okay, that's your child. I can't, I can't do it. And I take that with me, every person that I encounter. And so now, where I am now, I am a licensed independent um, social worker. So, but I started from the bottom. Like, literally, I was, a, I had my bachelor's degree. And I was working as a body in a group facilitator. I wouldn't even consider a group facilitator. Bachelor's degree making $8 an hour. But I was cool because I was in the atmosphere. And so, um, but I can honestly say I never got paid the $8 an hour. Because I was engaging the director seeing that I was, you know, um, valuable to the company. And I got paid, you know, what I, well, at that time, what I was worth. And so, I went from group facilitator to counselor program manager, clinical director, but it was a series of processes, right? And so I want to congratulate you for going back and getting that master's because when you obtain your master's and you do the two years of supervision, the sky is the limit. Like literally you write your own ticket. And with this Medicaid redesign and different things, you know, changing in the system of care, and being a black male, you know what I'm saying? People are going to be pulling at you. And then, again, you can write your own ticket. So being a six-figure social worker won't be nothing. I mean, it'll come just like that. But you got to be strategic. I'm trying to now because nobody, I never, that wasn't my desire, right? My desire was to eat. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to, like, help you get out of welf- off welfare, and I'm still in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, for real, like, you yeah. now you coming to my office talking about some, you done got this job and everything, and I'm still trying to figure out, you know, these food stamps and seeing if I want to tell JFS if I got the right, right amount of money. You know what I'm saying? You trying to buy? You know, <laughs> trying to buy? You know, all that stuff. <laughs> So, so now that I'm in this position, I'm trying to get you guys to cut across the field. You know what I'm saying? Cut across. And I promise you it's a clear path. Because once you get your LISW, 
you can literally, I mean, for real, clinical directors, if you become a clinical director at an agency or you contract with an agency, you literally can charge three figures an hour. You know what I'm saying? And so it's, I just want to teach you guys how to cut across the field. But again, you got to have a clear vision as it relates to where it is you desire to go without sacrificing self-care. Okay, okay, let me pause right there. So if you are a licensed social worker and you are stuck with passing the examination in order to become independently licensed, reach out to me. I have resources and programs that would assist you with passing the licensure exam. You can go to my website, LashanaAlfred.com, click on contact and send me your information and I will reach out to you with the appropriate information in order for you to stay connected and for you to participate in the programs that will teach you step-by-step on how to make six figures in the field of social work, but first, how to get over any hurdles that may be hindering you from dominating in the field. I look forward to hearing from you. Continue to listen. Because it's not a money chaser, right? This field, we're not chasing money. We're chasing people, right? And as you chase people to help them, it's going to come. It's going to come. So it's not about, you know, a get rich, rich, quick scheme. But it is understanding, wait, hold on, you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle. And my mindset, you guys, when I was working at this particular agency, one of the ladies was like, you should be making this much. But I couldn't even fathom it because $12 an hour was like cool for me. You know what I'm saying? 15. You talking about 20? You know? And so she was saying, you can make $75 an hour. I'm like, no. I ain't thinking. Because I'm thinking, if I can make it, why y'all not just giving it to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you you telling me I can make it, but you... Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Look, let me see. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, exactly, exactly. But so, and I'm sharing that because people are not going to... They know what you were, but do you? Because I didn't know what I was worth. I was like, what? Thinking, she's just talking. Then I start investigating. <laughs> I'm not, I, you know what I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm right. Research, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I need you guys, and I want us to um, stay connected because, I mean, with you guys, it's stuff that I'm just I'm I'm willing to just give you guys. You know what I'm saying? Because I believe, you know, and y'all know we're talking about Christian counseling. I mean, I definitely um, am one that holds God. He is the absolute head of my life. I don't consider myself religious, but I go to church. You know what I'm saying? I believe in going to church, all that stuff. But, you know, I just don't put a lot of rules and regulations on people. I'm like, you be free. You know, the same God that saved me, would save, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, so that's, I don't want to get to <laughs> Get the preacher. Right. I was following you like so <laughs> so <laughs> But with but with that being said, oh, I, I got a quickness. <laughs> so silly. Oh my goodness, so silly. But with that being said, I believe that God put you guys on my heart. You know what I'm saying? In this season, I'm just being real sensitive. To me right now, it's not about if somebody is trying to make it. It's not about me trying to get money from them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, if I had the money, I wouldn't be, you know, so just trying to help. And that's what I want to give you guys, a clear path um, to, to going. You got 
she got. Yeah. You know, one of the things is that she just told me that's what she was doing. Now, I'm like, okay, because she wanted me to be here. No, of course, if she told me it was y'all. Because I don't know him. <laughs> she told me she, it was y'all. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. No problem. But it, it's, 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 it, it was one of the words, when she was saying something, that word that I had given you in the classroom came to mind about if you will serve the ones that don't nobody else want to serve, you'll get the people that everybody wants, right? And, and, and so if we go with the mentality that there are so many people that need help, that so many people are passing by. You know what I'm saying? And those are the people that need the help. And, and, and when we are doing that kind of work, it opens up so many other opportunities to be working with people. All right. So when I got my first professional athlete, I wasn't looking to get a professional athlete as a client. I was just serving people. You see, you see what I'm saying? And then that opportunity came, right? And now here it is. Another opportunity is coming where LaShana and I will hopefully be working with Cleveland Browns. You know what I'm saying? Let them know y'all know me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's just, it's just the things. The oppor- because, again, that isn't what we was looking for. Right? That isn't what we was looking for. And then people, you know, somebody contacted me. Right? And then I told her about it. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm all in. Right? I mean, she like her athletes. Especially especially the one, the underdogs. You know what I'm saying? The ones that everybody keep putting down. You know, so. so but it's like, that isn't what we was pursuing. We were just about helping people. Right. And since we was about helping people, people were seeing those are the people that help people. Right. Absolutely. Don't lose sight of that. Do not lose sight of that. I don't care. Because how many of you work with a crazy supervisor? Current Couple. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love my supervisor. I like, yeah. yeah, I love my supervisor. I love my supervisor. Yeah. You said what? That's the reason I left my last agency. Because that was like... So, uh, I was with this particular agency for two years. Um, and I was, like I say, two years. I mean, like, I was going hard for two years. Um, and then this particular person, this particular clinical supervisor, um, came up like, in the last year and just kind of find like different, nitpicking different things. Um, and this particular day, she caught me, um, well, the particular agency I left for caught me in a particular perfect place um, where she had just kind of like, uh, just kind of demeaned me. I thought I was defeated. That was the word I used. I, was, I thought I was defeated in the email and she took it to totally left extreme. Um, and compared to just leaving it at like, why are you defeated? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I help you be not be defeated? It just kind of went to somewhere else. And then at the end of the meeting, asked me if I wanted chips and candy, as if I was one of her clients. Um, and it was a song like I just kind of felt like, well, if you were my supervisor, why can't you feel me? Make me feel undefeated, um, or why can't you really ask me why I'm defeated? Compared to being like, let's move, let's dance around it and figure out different things and. Just ask me and I'll tell you mm-hmm. and I'll be transparent with you. I was already transparent when I told you I was defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be more transparent. And she didn't mm-hmm. want that. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Would have been probably more miserable than actually staying, than actually leaving and being okay with that. Absolutely. And, and, and discharging the transplant and termination and stuff like that. Absolutely. So when he talks about that and the whole supervisor thing, I'm thinking back to where I found myself saying I was burnt out. And it had a lot to do with the supervisor I had at that time. Because it was like a, it's a difficult thing with black women in the field. 
we could all be social workers together. We could all be serving the same purpose. But it's still hard for all of us to connect. It's it's the strangest thing. So if you start to appear as if you're more likable than one person or you're a threat to their position or all of that, then it's like always attacks. And I went through so much with one supervisor. Like I ended up being in the hospital for three days with um, a migraine that even morphine couldn't get rid of. And the doctor was like, I don't know, you just have to be stressed. Like, and I'm like, that's no way. But as soon as I went back to work, I was like, I hate, like, hate it. Like, I couldn't get right. So then I, on a dime, left and went to the agency he was at. And I had a great supervisor, but the director, I didn't care so much for because it was so unethical. So much stuff was, I'm like, oh my God, just get me out of here. So now I'm at a place where I love being there, but it's so hard to push myself back into super committed and dedicated and all of that. Yeah, It's just, so when he said that, it made, for me, it started to make sense. When I was under better supervision, Mm -hmm. better care, better Mm -hmm. covering, Mm -hmm. I performed better. Yes, that makes absolute sense. without it, it leaves you at risk for so many things and so many attacks and so many moments when you don't feel like you're really serving your purpose so you gotta look for those glimmers of hope like where a kid would text you and say you know like last week a kid messaged me on Facebook I don't know how she did that but she let me know like oh I finally became a senior and you better be at I swear to God you better be at my graduation because <laughs> you're the reason why I'm graduating mm-hmm. and it's stuff like that that it's like okay I did something while I was there, even though it sucked or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time. Yeah. No, that's good. I want to stick with how we end up staying in positions or at agencies and allow ourselves to get sick. You know, it's so many people that stay there. And because there's so many um, issues going on in the world, we as social workers should never have to or make ourselves succumb to abuse or misuse. Mm-hmm. You know, because we can always go somewhere else. But I think some people say because of comfort. That's true. Like, you know how much money you're going to make. You know when you retire, this is, you know, what they're going to give you. And some people stay for a discount. And um, I think it's just comfort. We don't yeah. want to rock the boat. That's and true. We, That's true. Some of us are afraid of change. Mm-hmm. So we're we're not going to leave. True. That's and then true. if you have kids, you got to think about how I'm going to support my kids. Mm-hmm. So there's other factors mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a lot of, some of us aren't secure in who we are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to go to work and be mistreated because it's like, you just, you're not securing you and you don't have a good foundation. Yes. So. You as the person that's being mistreated? Yes. How about this? How about, I want you guys to begin to look at a person who mistreats somebody else, their foundation is not solid. Yeah. Because it makes no sense. Why do I have to put you down, talk bad about you to make me look good? Right. So it's something that I don't like about me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would treat people how I treat myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I value me, I'll value you. And so that's the thing. So when we begin to look, but you got to he- be healed first mm-hmm. from your childhood but, stuff and different things. But some people things. don't want to heal because what they don't tell you about healing is it's, it's open up the wound and it's more painful. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because you got to revisit that. Yes. And then you got to see how did that little girl feel, that little boy feel when I was going through being mistreated. And people don't want to do that. They just rather say, this is how I am. I'm not changing and this is how I'm going to be. And you could take it or leave it. And when someone tells me to take it or leave it, I'm leaving it. 
it mm. because I value me more. Right. Absolutely. That's good. And I think a lot of it is also learned behavior. So when I think about anybody that's ever supervised me, attempted to mentor me or anything like that, that was coming from a hurt place and didn't provide the most healthy supervision for me, um, it's because like we teach healing, but a lot of people teach healing from a place of no experience. So you're attempting to teach others, like whether it be clients every day or whatever it is, how to heal themselves, yet you have not engaged in that process yourself. Right. So I've been under the supervision of many people who have maybe burned themselves out mm-hmm. and you've been supervised by people who were burned out and maybe didn't have the best self-care and didn't take the time for themselves, didn't take the time to pour into you. So when you became a supervisor, you literally displayed a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. You did what was done to you. Um, and I only understood that difference when I moved to a supervisor who was willing to pour into me and to teach me and to listen to me. And because I think a lot of supervisors, unfortunately, go to teach without any type of evaluation of what needs to be learned. Mm. So if you don't know what I need to learn and you're pushing learning, you don't know what to teach me. Mm. And so when people take that process to say, like, I understand you want to heal, you want to help. But like, I need to show you how to do that first. This is good. So like, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. If you don't know how to do that. And right. I know it feels right. like you do because you went to school and you have these licensures and you have these degrees, and they tell you theories and they tell you methods and treatment modalities, and they tell you all those things of like, this is how you do it. Step one, step two, and they tell you like <laughs> all this stuff and like, this is ethical, this is not, and so you believe that because I'm moving with ethics, I'm moving with care, and you're not. Those exactly. are not the same thing. Absolutely. And so when being under repeat that, repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> You meet a lot of people who believe that because like the licensing boards and coming from my license and I'm practicing with ethics means that I'm moving with care and that is not the same thing. Like you are ethically moving, but you also are moving with care through the people that you are ethically treating. So it's like, are you really treating or are you just seeing them every day? Right. Like that's not the that's same good. thing. That's good. Um, I and love people it. move with that sense of mentorship and, and people use that method of mentorship sometimes um, where they tell you like, take care of yourself. Care, but I want you to work like a robot, and those things don't coexist <laughs> right. in the same environment. Right, right. Um, so it takes that person who has engaged in that process of healing to say that although this is what the workplace thinks it needs, when I become a better me, I am better for the workplace. And so if I teach everyone that works up under me that that maybe enough of them will grasp that skill, that they can elevate the workplace and what we really want to see. Um, and when that shift in supervision happens, I think you are at less risk for things like burnout and things like that. Yes. Because the people that are watching you are a little bit more observant of those things. Absolutely. Like, all it takes is for me to sigh too hard in my office and my supervisor's like, you need to go I love it. And yeah. at first it caught me off guard because the previous supervision, it took for me to be removed from that supervision to see from the outside that you are mimicking what was done to you. You are literally okay. mimicking the type of supervision you were under and the work environment that you were encouraged to move in. Right. And so you don't know how to be understanding because nobody did that to you. Wow. And like you see, I need a result. And I've never been shown a healthy way of getting to that result. So whatever I think works, whether it be just like making you feel uncomfortable in your workplace, rather it be just giving directives and asking yeah. no questions. If yeah. that's what I have to do to get my result, then that's what it works. If we lose a couple people along the way, okay. Yeah. But it's like that re- further reinforces that idea that in the field of health and human services that I am replaceable and that I mm-hmm. should be a robot. I shouldn't have self-care as long as I'm caring for the people that come and sit in my office. And you're not giving your best care when you operate that way because they see it. 
like it's humans working on humans yeah. so like you see my human behavior right. and a lot of people negate that and feel like oh I can just like pretend for this next conversation that like I have life together right. you're coming to me for the questions but it's like no that's not it's not gonna work like it doesn't work and that's where people get that burnout because you can only pretend that for so long exactly time, so. exactly yeah. yeah so like human behavior is that we learn things through repetition and reward mm-hmm. so like I think people forget that if I am if I am supervised with poor behavior, I have no choice but when I move on, if I don't like literally attempt to shift that repetition and reward, you have been deemed a good supervisor because you get me to do what you want me to do. So you do it repeatedly, which is the repetition, and you get the reward as in people think you're a good supervisor to your superiors. And we forget the other side, which is that if you pour into people and you take that time and you develop them that that repetition will show reward, meaning that when I move into a position of leadership, I will move with those same behaviors. So, and I'm literally seeing the process of that happen with the supervision that I'm under now. The care that has been taken with me, I've now been put in a place of leadership to now look and supervise at what other people are doing that are under me, but I move with that same care because I know that through repetition and the reward I've received, that if I do that exact same thing to you, like literally if I do the same thing to you, you will begin to move that way. Meaning that when you move up, you will begin to teach that way and it will continue to go on. Absolutely. And so like that learned behavior, if we shift the learned behavior, it can shift a lot of the way people practice and things, but I don't think people actually pay any attention to that. But it's clearly seen in like when you when you meet people like the two of you guys that somebody took that care and because you move with that care mm-hmm. um, and when you guys are teaching like when we were in class and things like that those things were passed down like I didn't learn a new way of social working until I seen different social workers mm-hmm. so until I was exposed to people who took that care and was like you can take the care you can do it correctly you can have impact and you can make money and I was like <laughs> and, um, and it was like so now when I move and I hear people that either are older than me whatever it is but have been in the workplace and they use language that doesn't sound like that I'm like Right. That's not true. Like that's yeah. not that's not true. Like right. you don't have to do what right. you have been taught because there is another way. And I saw it and it's effective. Right. And so if we begin to shift that's that, awesome. we'll shift the type of practitioners we begin to see. Absolutely. Um, so that's gonna take some time too. Absolutely. But that's also important mm-hmm. because I remember like when we talk about class, I remember you told us I was gonna say it was the first day. Um if we don't heal ourselves, we bleed on other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I took that with me so like so far like I'm like how am I really I have really never like I've been in therapy a billion and one times but I have never really dealt with my stuff like I go it it just wasn't effective so I that day I'm like I really am putting some I'm projecting a lot and I'm starting to feel my stuff come up so that's why I feel tired or ineffective or burned out or this this yeah. because I was bleeding on other people. Right, right. And then it was another thing because y'all know I, I speak so often <laughs> what I think. And I remember asking in class, like, how do I not say, and, and it was said that the purpose has to be bigger than the passion. And I was like, you know what? I can still be passionate, but I need to serve that purpose that I'm doing my passion for. Mm-hmm. And it's made me so cognizant of a lot of behaviors that I used to feel like were appropriate. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I'm 
just more self not self-conscious in a bad way, mm-hmm. but self-aware yes. in the form of am I being my true self? Am yeah. I being present in this moment? Yeah. Am I bleeding on somebody else? Do I even right. take a moment because I know my stuff is jacked up, so I need to take a day off? Right, right. As we wrap this part up, I want you guys to share, share with the audience because we allow them to listen in and um, hear our stories and everything. What would be um, something that you, based on what you share, to um, a social worker who may feel like, wait, I need to deal with this. This is messing me up. Like your experience that you shared. Like what? How, I, how I've dealt with it, how I've handled it. Mm-hmm. What would you tell someone else if they have experienced what you shared today? Um, you got to find something that works for you and something that brings awareness to yourself. Okay. So, like, for me, like, I, I meditate now. And at first I was like, nah, because, see, Jesus wouldn't like me to do that. But then, like, when I started doing it, <laughs> like, it brought, like, awareness to myself. And it was able, it, it made me um, be able to calm down and look at a, things. I got a question. From a different Why wouldn't Jesus want you to meditate? No, see, that's before I did my research. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was assuming yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because, okay. you know, like, I was about to go to, like, this Buddhist church, and I was just like, no, I don't think Jesus wants me to do that. But, um, so, you know, I had to... I had to she was searching. That's yeah, because right, I, right. I just can't... Like, I have to protect, like, whatever I put into myself, right. whether it's through right. my sight, whatever. Absolutely. Um, so, find something that um, makes you aware. And I think therapy is, like, so important. And for me, my personal experience, I've had so many older black women that I look up to who always like, no, you don't need therapy. I had trauma and, you know, I'm fine. And it's just like, no. Like, you're really not. Um, so, yeah, therapy and just like, you got to deal with your stuff. Okay. All right. Um, I would say be very something that people so and I think there's a difference between like the thing of like want versus need you have something that people need you have the ability to heal others around you while still constantly healing yourself and when people see that they want to use that and they want to work it and they want to make it work fast and they want to make it work now and a lot of the times you'll find yourself um, at agencies working under people doing whatever it is that see that and they want that and they want it to move now but um, especially with me being so young, understanding like that development is a process and to be very protective of that energy that you do have um, and get yourself under the right supervision and mentorship to mold it and to develop and grow it into what it needs to be instead of somebody prematurely taking advantage of what something can be. Um, because I, I feel like I've seen a lot of people who are older in my workplace that like whatever spark you think I have, you get excited when you come around me because you at once had it, but you allow somebody to uh-huh. And so to be very protective of that. So when people tell me like, oh no, like you don't have to do it this fast. You could be here for 30 years. Say to me. Um, no, I won't. I won't do that. Because I see you after those 30 years. And you let whatever that you see here die. And I have no intent on doing that. Um, so to make sure you get yourself around people who are going to cultivate that, grow that, develop it, and mold it. Um, and shape it, but also allow you to have a working hand Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So we're talking.
talking to a social worker yeah. about therapy. Yep. What? Yeah. What lesson would you give them? What takeaway? I would give them the takeaway that going with an open mind. First and foremost, seek therapy. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Two, be intentional with your therapy and your your choice of therapy. Don't go to therapy just to say I'm in therapy. Like if you want a black female therapist google black female therapist in Toledo if you want a white male therapist and for whatever preferences you have you have that right to choose that and you shouldn't feel bad when you don't connect with someone because of race because of age because of all of that and then secondly once you're in it be in it and commit to it and I always tell my clients to sit in their um, stuff. <laughs> I always tell them that. And that's something I have to do myself because some parts of therapy hurt. Like, I know I've been in therapy and I keep crying. And I'm like, I just, I don't cry. Like, I don't want to do this. But the thing about it is, it's so healing to me. Like, I feel so refreshed and all of that. So you got to go outside of your comfort zone and sit in your stuff. Because until you can feel it, you can't heal it. Ah, hey. <laughs> Too smart. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Um, I would say learn how to separate work and home life. Um, I'm really big on not talking about work when I get home. I leave it at, at work and I try my best to. Sometimes it comes out, but I try my best to separate those two. Because if you don't, it, it follows you wherever you go. Um, and then the stories follow you. And you dream about them and you wake up and you're like, oh, why did I dream about that last night? Because you, you remembered it last night. I'm going to sleep. So um, a lot of times it's separating work work and home life. And then being able to make sure you take care of yourself. Um, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't provide proper help to other people. Yes. Um, and I always say I'm big now on seeking therapy. You know, I don't, but I say it's the it's the it's the most healing thing for you to be able to talk to someone and someone understand you or get to understand you yeah. and allow you to open yourself up to people who won't judge you. Yeah, um, and, and you get to be in your own, you get to be your own real true person. Yes. Um, in a room or wherever you're at, um, where you just get to just let everything out um, or journal. Learn how to journal. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you get my number before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Trust and believe you don't need me. You know, mm-hmm. because it's, it's like I remember when another master level counselor came to me, and I was telling him, "Don't do that. Hear me." It was about his son. I said, "Don't do that, please. Whatever you do, don't do that." He didn't listen to me. And his son suffered. The son suffered. He, he's, he's still doing his own thing, but his son didn't want to suffer. Uh, the separating the home from the work, you need to be able to get that stuff off of you before you go home. Do not cross your threshold with all that stuff that you picked up at the workplace. 
You know, because even if people are sitting in their own stuff, and you sitting in that <laughs> stuff with them, and you take it, don't take that stuff into your house. You know what I'm saying? You know, so, so you know, uh, my wife is, has her master's in social work as well, and we worked we worked at Unison together. That's where we met, and it was one of those things where it's like we're not taking this home with us. You know, we was going to our different homes at the time. You know. That we learned by the, time, by the time we got married. By the time we got married, we wasn't taking that. We ain't bringing that stuff into our home. And then the other thing is, uh, what we had an agreement on was, if I called you, you need to answer the phone. If I call you, you need to answer the phone. And so that's just between the two of us. Because we, you don't know in this field, we have to make sure that we okay. Yeah. So if I'm calling you and I know you at work, then you need to answer the phone. Because I ain't just calling you. Right? So you need to have somebody that will answer your call. You know, and that's what I would tell a social worker. You have to have somebody that right, when right. you call, this person is going to answer your call. And then like, I don't told people, I'm going to assess it. I'm saying, this is my wife. I have to answer this. And then I answer the phone and say something to her, da, da, da. And then I tell them, I explain to them, in this field, we, 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 we making sure that we okay yeah. we making yeah. sure yeah. that we okay so right. that's the other thing that I would say to a person make sure you have somebody yeah. that will answer your call when you call right right and so if you're not married you don't have that either luxury if you want to call it <laughs> but if you don't have that you know you got to have another social or somebody who understands you know what I'm saying right. that you can call right. so right. so thank you guys give yourselves a hand clap a round of applause all right, you guys. So thank you for tuning in. Again, this is your Six Figure Social Worker Podcast, where we teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. Thank you and stay tuned.